one of the Burning Bird. I'm Steve Leinert. I do the color commentary for the Philadelphia Phoenix on AUDL.TV.com. I'm joined by my regular partner in crime, Alexander Shaggy Shregas. Shaggy, welcome back for another season. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back, Steve. And we are joined today by a very special guest. Um, Thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, Daryl Stanley, the head coach of the D.C. Breeze and former coach of the Philadelphia Phoenix, um, is has been kind enough to join us to talk a myriad of Phoenix news, Atlantic Division news, AUDL news, and uh, let, let's get our fans up to speed about all the things that went down in the in the um, in the I guess the off season. So, uh, Daryl, thanks for joining us, buddy. Thank you. I'm excited. I've I listened to you guys a lot, actually. I think I've listened to every single podcast. So. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We're sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great, man. I mean, you guys, you've talked about me enough times that I, I feel great. So I, I love it. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, we, we've got to, we, we try to cover all the bases here on the Burning Bird. Um, so let's let's jump right into it here, Daryl and, and, and Shaggy, man. Like the new Atlantic Division. We've got the, the like no more New York Empire, no more Canadian teams. We we now have the Atlanta Hustle. The Breezers are are with us. Daryl's team, um, the Pittsburgh Thunderbirds, the the Raleigh Flyers, and the Tampa Bay Cannons. So a chance for some a new rivalries to come in. Uh, what what are what are your initial thoughts on the the division realignments uh, there, Daryl? Um, honestly, I think it's awesome. Um, I think for us in D.C., like, being the southernmost team in that uh, previous division, right, in the east, it was it was fun. And going to Canada was an amazing experience. But I think that, um, you know, it just was logistically very tough. And I think that the home and away records, um, you know, the Canadian teams playing the American teams and the American teams playing the Canadian teams, I mean, I think it speaks for itself. And, you know, being able to uh, – keep that domestic and keep it drivable and do that 95 corridor, except for Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, it's going to be awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm excited. And I think all of DC is excited for it too. Wow. That's, that's really cool. I, I know up, up here, the, the Phoenix are, are super excited about everything because uh, they're, they're more like, they're, they're like, I don't know. Are they the northernmost team now? Yeah. Yes, you guys are. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh like the, I guess the trips down south are going to be as challenging as the Canadian trips for the Phoenix, but well, um, go ahead, Shay. Well, now the distance is so great that the team uh, is forced for well, Jeff with the owner would say forced, but the team's forced to fly. So in some ways, it'll be a lot nicer for the players. They'll fly down, get a nice spot, play the games. You know, that's a little better than a 12, 14-hour bus trip to Toronto and then an eight-hour trip to Ottawa. This is true. This is true. And it, it, it was even worse for for the breeze. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, bolt on another two and a half hours, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. You each, got, you each got our trips. Yeah, um, each direction. That's, that, that's tough. But, like, not having the empire in the division. Now, I'm going to ask this for both of you guys. Is that something that you miss a little bit because – you know, you like the competition. You want to play against the best that there is in the AUDL, and you got to see them a bunch during the year. Or is it uh, it's one less thorn in your side that you have to worry about is, is dealing with Ben Yacht and, and Jeff Babbitt and uh, Bo Kittridge and all those guys? 
Um, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, honestly, I think it is disappointing, and it, it was like my one, um, the one regret I guess I had about this realignment. But you know, fortunately for DC, um, the league has decided to keep a like a now a division game uh, for us, and we're playing New York. Oh, so okay. Yeah, and so I'm I'm very excited about that. But I, I think for us, it was like the rivalry was getting really interesting, right? Like that was our, our measuring stick, right? Like uh, no offense to the Phoenix, <laughs> um, but you know, they, they just all of a sudden had this like world-class team and we're saying, Hey, can we compete against that? How good are we? You know, can my young guys guard these, uh, you know, these, these household names. Um, so I, I will miss that, but I think the challenge in this division is going to be more consistent. And I think the flyers also present a very similar challenge uh, because they're so, What's the word? Integrated. They're so cohesive. I still see them as a significant challenge. There's been a, there's been a lot of consistency with the Raleigh Flyers over the years, and uh, and, and that's that's something that uh, helps build that team cohesiveness, in my opinion. For sure, same coaching staff. Yeah, right. Like a lot yeah. of the same veterans, and the, the young players have been coming up through that system forever. Even though they're not, they're like 24, but they've been playing at a high level for eight years, most of them. So. Now that triangle you've seen down there is something else down in Raleigh, and uh, they just keep pumping in uh, not not only to the Raleigh Flyers and the ADL, but uh, but Ring of Fire and um, uh, and uh, and uh, Turbine and a lot of those different uh, teams down there. Oh yeah, and you're starting to even see. I think the the women's program is just going up and up as a result. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The women's program is absolutely going up as well. Um, so. Is is Raleigh the team to? Uh, I'm sorry, Alex. You wanted to you wanted to jump in on there. I only wanted to say that it was really nice of uh, Daryl to be so diplomatic about the division change. I'm really happy that Philly's out of the division with New York, but I am going to miss watching three games between DC uh, and New York that we got last year. Those were probably the three uh, closest games New York played, and the Raleigh one as well. And I'm definitely going to miss that competition. It's nice that we get it once, but I really like seeing it three times. Those were cool games. Those those were cool games to watch. I mean, it's uh, those those uh, the breeze the breeze gave the empire everything they could handle. And for I mean, Daryl called them a measuring stick for the breeze. I think they were a measuring stick for everyone in the league, <laughs> uh, yeah. especially last year. I mean, uh, everybody wanted to take them down, and nobody nobody could. And that, that's props to them, but. I mean, I think that Spurs teams like the DC Breeze to improve and get better the next year and, and get and 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 be more prepared to go to battle against them. And I mean, just look what like the resurgence of the Phoenix they, that uh, that we've had in this offseason. I think that had a lot to do with the New York influence and 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 how and how they were going about doing things. And I'm not saying that the Phoenix are on par with the New York Empire quite yet. But I am saying that I mean, the way the direction that the franchise is going right now is definitely in a in a positive upward trend. I mean, look, from the outside looking in, I agree. I think that last year, like taking down Toronto in Toronto, like with you know not necessarily the the roster that you would have said at the start of the season was your top twenty, you know, to go out there and to take that to take that uh, win was incredible. I think that. Um, I mean, I've never won in Toronto, right? I mean, Steve, we went up there in 14, you know, yeah. and, and we didn't win a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was and the Braves have come close, but we haven't, you know, we haven't cracked that 
that uh, that Toronto losing right. streak. So I, I just think that you know, right there, you can just speak about the the turnaround with the Phoenix. Not even to mention the late season push to uh, you know hold hold the breeze and uh, and uh, the Royal to really doing their jobs and, and closing out the season strong. So you guys are coming up, and I saw you in my rearview mirror, and I was trying to make sure you stayed back there. <laughs> Well, what do you uh, what do you think of the um, the fact that they're like? Uh, well, I, I got a couple of things I want Phoenix related. I wanted to touch base with you, Daryl, if it's okay. And Shag, feel free to chime in at any time on this. Um, they're leaving Concha. <clears throat> pardon me. They're leaving Concha Hawking, and they're going to their new home, the South Philly Super Site uh, turf field. So we don't have to worry about rainouts anymore. But there was something cozy about playing in Concha Hawking that I think uh, I know. I know that I'm going to miss up there. You know, but uh, I mean, the move to the new the new stadium is a, is a big deal. Um, the, the Phoenix are going to be on Fox Sports two uh, week thirteen, and uh, they had that that uh, exhibition at Lincoln Financial Field um, in the fall during an Eagles game, and uh, that uh, all these things are are trending upward for the Phoenix, and it's something that's been a long time coming, and it's positive to see. Uh, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts about like leaving Concha Hawking and, and all and the uh and the the what what did you think of the exhibition game at the link? Yeah. Uh I mean the Concha Stadium is like near and dear to my heart. Uh you know for fans of the podcast may not know from 2013 to 2015 I was an assistant coach with the Phoenix. Um yep. in 13, you know, we were out in Westchester um, at uh Cheney University was our first home, but yep. You know, the home ever since then, you know, these last, uh, what is that, five seasons? Um, yeah. It's been Conchie. And, and when Steve and I were working together, we were Conchie. That was the first season there. Yep. And, you know, all our practices were at Conchie, too. So, I mean, honestly, I, I, I think <laughs> I think that stadium was super unique. It's one of the only grass stadiums around. Um, the atmosphere was, like, pretty perfect. I mean, you pretty much escaped the bubble of Conchie Hawking. You know, you escaped. Yeah. And you were just in the Phoenix. You were in the nest. Um, so I'm, I'm going to miss that for sure. Um, I won't miss the rainouts, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the occasional mud, the occasional too long of grass that like literally slowed you down while you were running. Um, you know, there were definitely some, uh, some things about this that place that were, uh, tough, but you know, that, that's just gonna, that hurts. I mean, it's just like a, a closing of a chapter for me personally, sure. Sure. Um, but I, I'm sure I will grow to love this new. South Philly place all the same, right? It'll be more convenient for me to drive to it, so I'm down for that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it'll knock 45 minutes off your commute. Right? You don't have to mess with 76. We could just uh, – or, or even 476. We could just do 95 straight up. Like, let's go. And um, let's, not, let's not forget the cheesesteak factor. There's the South Philly, the cheesesteaks are way better than they are at Concha Hockey. And I'm sorry, Conchie, but you got to up your cheesesteak game. Just saying. I'm, yeah, right? Like, Tony Luke's is down there, right? Like, Tony Luke's is down there, right there. Yeah. Right there and then there's uh, – uh, Phillips Steaks is down there, right off the highway. I mean, there's plenty of decent steak places that you guys can uh, can hit on your ride down. Now, now here's the problem, right? In Conchi, you know which one I could hit up? D'Alessandro's. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's the best cheesesteak. That's in my Philly. favorite. Yes. That's the best cheesesteak in Philly, hands down. Is that's what I say. That's what I say. But I'm I'm four years out, right? I could be I could be outdated. <laughs> no, that's that's. There's still good. Shag, Shaggy might have a, a cheesesteak joint. What's your cheesesteak joint? Uh, there's a spot across the street from me. It's on 54th in Baltimore. It's called the Philly Food Stop. And uh, it's maybe the size of 
my bedroom, and it <laughs> makes the best cheesesteaks in the whole city. Now, I've never been there until I moved here, and it's just across the street from me, but they're great. Wow. Uh, yeah. You need a cheesesteak tour, Shaggy. I, I, think need they a... whiz, I think they whiz their own cheese. It's really good. <laughs> they whiz their own cheese. <laughs> Well played, man. I mean, holy smokes, uh, dude. The uh, I I love the out of the way places like that. I like the, instead of the big name places, right? Shack on the side of the road. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, all right, I'll try that cheesesteak. Sure. That's Tony Luke's, right? It's literally a shack. It's literally a shack on the side of the road. I mean, you're, you're on on a cold night when you're eating your cheesesteak, you're freezing while you're eating it. No, no, you don't. They got the little um, the plastic uh, enclosure. You uh, ever been in that? Yeah, I've been in the plastic enclosure. It's still yeah. cold. Oh man, okay, all right. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, and, and then uh, the other thing you asked me about the uh, Lincoln Financial. Um, yeah, yeah, you have the ga- the exhibition game at the Link against the Roughnecks. The only word I can offer is jealousy. I, or envy, I guess envy. That's the right word, not not jealousy. I was envious, and you know, so much. <laughs> I think some of my players were, <laughs> candidly. And so, like, uh, you know, they may have uh, pinged the ownership of the Breeze to say, like, hey, you know, what's our deal? Like, um, you know, maybe maybe we're not in RFK or uh, whatever the new stadium's out there. Oh, man. FedEx, FedEx Field. There you go. Out in Largo. Um, yeah, like, they didn't even talk about that per se. But, like, we're let, let's just say we're, we're trying our best. I mean, we did our thing, too. Uh, out, uh, we had a Georgetown halftime uh, basket, on the basketball field or basketball court. We did a little oh, scrimmage. Cool. That's cool. But the link, that was a special, special, special event, man. I wish I was there. I've watched the film so many times at this point. Um, it, it, was, it was a good game. I mean, you guys, you, you played well in this exhibition despite the wind, right? The wind could have really made that a disaster. But I think the players were, uh, after, you know, maybe a minute or two, they got themselves together. And it was just, like, what a cool event. And, and the fact that it was Philly versus Dallas, like, every Eagles fan that's there – cares about that yeah know? right yeah <laughs> yeah real booze just, yeah you know. it was an easy storyline <laughs> like that was i think that was one of the best aspects of your exhibition as compared to like the the minnesota windshield ones which have been incredible and yearly um and kicked off the whole trend but your yours that was cool as a philadelphia i loved it yeah it was it was there was something purely philadelphia about the whole event that that's that's what didn't give it a little special twist that's for sure Mm-hmm. So, and uh, what what, you, what is your thoughts on the Fox Sports deal there, Daryl? So, I think that it, it's really good, first off, right? The stadium deal uh, was great because, you know, the league was able to generate revenue from that deal. Um, but I like the direction the league went in with, you know, finding independent sources of funding, uh, getting, you know, um, more uh, sponsorships and uh, investors uh, throughout the league, and that allows them to make a, a more, maybe a more strategic play to go to Fox Sports. The the thing that I like the most about this move and why I think it's so strategic is that they've got the ability to tell a story. You know, there's it's not going to be a live game. Live Ultimate's great, but um, in fact, USA uses that as a hashtag, right? Oh, I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm kidding. It's, <laughs> it's Live Ultimate. I know, I know. Um, but they. Uh, AUDL has this ability now to tell the story because it's on Wednesday nights, right? Like, so they can like take uh, pregame uh, interviews and postgame interviews and, and analysis and, and tell the league's story that week or tell the game's story that week and cut out all the fat and just leave like, like have a, 
an extended highlights program uh, or they can show the full game. Like that's that, that kind of narrative is what people need, right? We wouldn't care at all about pro wrestling or um, it'd be hard to tune into trying to think of something else. that's really narrative driven like that, but you can't tune into those things because people don't know. Right. And, but they get to build that story up and now you care. And now it's more interesting to watch. So I think that that's a power move here. Baseball having a narrative this season, it will probably be its most successful season in a long time. Um, and it's the same thing. I mean, they might not have enjoyed where the narrative came from, but they got to build a story into baseball and it's transformed the way that we cover Oh, the, the, the Astro story? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, so, I mean, if, if they start throwing at the Astros now, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. I want to I see some uh, – I want to see baseball get back to where it was self-policed a little bit by the pitching and the – you know, you, you uh, give them a little chin music, let them know that they uh, they o- overstep their boundaries, so to speak. But again, <laughs> again, that's uh, but that that's what gets some people in, like into it. That's what gets some people like that watching the, these shows. And the one of the things I love about football shows like that uh, in the NFL is when they have like this, like like inside the NFL or this week in the NFL, they have the, the sideline talk. They have the stuff in the locker room. They got the stuff pregame where they're getting hyped. They got the, the postgame reaction, whether win or lose. And that kind of stuff is totally surrounds the, the, the game itself. And it makes it that much more appealing to the, to, to the, a regular fan that can't be a part of it. Right, and that, that stumble-upon factor is huge, right? Fox Sports 2 has a higher stumble-upon ability, right? I'm surfing through the channels, or or it's already a go-to channel for me, really, right? right. Like, who surfs the channels anymore? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> it's right. already your go-to channel, Fox Sports 1 of them anyway, right? Like, hey, I don't like what's on ESPN, I don't like, you know, what's on Fox yeah. 1. FS1, yeah. Yeah, you just keep switching, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, what's this? And frick, Evan Lapler's going to tell a story. Like, yes! We've already got an elite storyteller for Ultimate, right? A professional. You know, there's the, there's the guy. And now he's got the audience. Now people might stop and give that 30 seconds. And if, if we tell a good story in that 30 seconds, you know, you might get a new fan right there. So you might get a new fan, and then you might get them coming out and put a butts in the seats. Yep. You know, because the AEDL is a very family-friendly event. Um, it, it, is, it, is, it is one of the uh, cooler things to uh, take a kid to. And uh, to to go out to uh, on a on a on a nice weekend night, it's it's affordable, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So uh, all right, so let's uh, let's just touch on the Phoenix here real quick with a, with a couple signings. Um, when, when the uh, the Phoenix signed the uh, an Alex Storm, did, did did that raise an eyebrow down in DC, Daryl? Well, I'm going to tell you that it didn't, and here's why. Okay. I mean, I knew he, I knew he lived there, right. but. I also knew that you had a, a large gap to replace. <laughs> yeah, yes. Because uh, Ethan Fortin is playing for the Breeze. Yes, yes. Um, this season. So I, I knew you needed a center handler, and I think Alex is – I mean, you, it's hard to find a better, you know, uh, replacement there, right? Like, that's right. incredible. And we've seen some superstars come through the Phoenix in the last uh, couple of years, you know, Marquez and Nikki Spiva, and obviously Sean Mott's name is uh, – rightfully been elevated to that level after his his time with amp yep. um, but I, I think that you know i think alex is going to make a really big difference and he gets to come back to like a natural role for him which is like a, a center handler or you know the guy you want to um, get the disc to uh, in the pole play so i i think that it's a huge signing for you guys um 
you know, Ethan's going to be a great signing for me. I lost Nate Pryor. So we just all just kind of did a little, like, uh, revolution there. A little trade. <laughs> yeah, like we all a... traded. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's rough. So uh, for those who might be unaware, Nate Pryor led the league last year in completions um, in D.C., and uh, Ethan has, for a long time, led the uh, Phoenix in completions. So, you know. Yeah, we're talking high volume, low error, uh, you know, handlers. These guys are exceptional. They're your, you know, your quarterbacks. And Ethan is a, a great, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to really enjoy working with him and again. And uh, I coached him back on that, uh, well, both 14 and 15. He was on my team. Um, so just getting, getting to work with him again is great. But, yeah, trying to replace that large hole of Nathan Pryor is almost impossible. Uh, Nate is our O-line um, captain through and through no matter if he's an official captain that year or not he leads the line so um we've got a great backup for that uh jeff wodach has been that role for a very long time in dc and so he can he can take the mantle there so all right shaggy just just on a quick side note before i continue there i mean uh shag you you did mention you have a surprise and we're about a half hour into the podcast and you haven't sprung it yet. I'm getting nervous over here. So, but let, uh, no, 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 don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. We're still going to talk about a couple players because Daryl mentioned amp um, with Sean Mott there and everything. And they, we, we, they, the Phoenix did sign Paul Owens and Luke Ryan from amp. And I was wondering if, if uh, what, what Daryl's thoughts were on those signings. These are huge signings. Because I think what Philly has a lot of are, you know, you got a lot of uh, lunch pail guys, right? You know, uh, a lot of cutters out there, especially on the D-line, who are athletic, they're smart, they're playing good defense out there, right? And then on the turn, they, they just haven't been as uh, potent and as experienced. And you were even maybe one O-liner short, you know, cutting-wise. You probably would have liked to have one more like, hey – I can get the ball. I can also go deep. I'm like a two-way threat kind of person. Uh, you know, and, and some guys stepped up nice in that role. Sean Mott's obviously been that. Billy Sickles was that last year, obviously. Um, you know, and Greg Muller tried to come into his own on that part. I know that's a big shout-out to Radner High School and, and your old stomping grounds, Steve. So Yeah, yeah, I coached, I coached Greg over four years at Radner. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Paul, I, I know he can play O. We all know he can play O. And he, he did it at the highest stage, right? And he, he was incredible in the semifinals and finals. Like, he, he mattered, and people knew his name. Um, he was great in the pro championship uh, in that final, too. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for, for you guys to get him. And then defensively, Luke Ryan is nuts. I've been trying to get him to play for me my whole time in Philadelphia. I, <laughs> with Citywide, I, I come in right as he's going out from Citywide. You know, with the, the spitters, I come in, you know, he's obviously working for the MLU, doing stats, and he's, like, coming off a major injury at that point in time. So he wasn't about uh, – he wasn't able to really commit to playing at the level that he wanted to. Um, so I just have always missed him, and I love working with him. He's a great defender. He's great in the air. He knows what to do on the turn. I mean, these guys, these guys are going to make a big, big, big difference. I mean, losing Billy Sickles hurts, you know, so it's some, some kind of a push – on your line, but I think defensively you just upgraded, and there's no looking back on that one. All right, okay, Shag. I think uh, that's uh, that's all I got. I mean, what do you what do you, do you have anything for Daryl here? Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Um, 
I'll get to the ones that are more related to the general uh, Frisbee atmosphere of the AUDL. So um, I feel like for a long time, DC has sort of uh, played second fiddle in the East uh, to Toronto for a number of years. And then when uh, New York retooled, and that was a really tough position to be in because being second or third, you still have to play that extra game um, in the playoff format. Now the playoff format has changed. So being second, uh, you're going on the road for the playoffs. That's tough. But you don't have to play two more games, right? You're only playing – it's just the top two teams. So you just have to play whoever the top team is. Um, do you think – how big a deal is it now compared to before, where I think it was a much bigger deal to be the first team in the division? How big of a, de- of a deal is it now for you – for DC to kind of achieve that spot to be the best team in the new Atlantic. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's probably the thing we're all most excited about is we feel that our ability to make that championship weekend has, has grown. I mean, Toronto was a massive impediment, you know, throughout the whole time I, I was in the East and obviously we, we never solved that either. Like we never, we didn't win last year when we were on neutral turf you know, in a, in a key game in the playoffs. So um, getting out of their shadow, for lack of a better word, is uh, it's unfortunate because I think this year's roster would have, like, pushed Toronto and, and, and really we could have been first in the Old East maybe with the roster that I have this year. Um, but I might not get this roster that I have this year in the Old East. So I think if it ends up that we finish second and we are playing – you know, who knows? Probably Raleigh is the team that we all have to look at as the, the, the front runner here. They've been to championship weekend, right? None of the other teams in the division have, I don't think. I don't know no. if Raleigh has. Raleigh has, but it's yeah. been a long time because they Correct. keep losing to Dallas in the playoffs. Exactly. So, but they're the only ones of us all who, who've been there. So, um, you know, I, I think that that matters. But I also know that I've taken my breeze down to Raleigh in 2017 a similar year where we had a lot of like experience, a lot of talent, you know, and we went down there and we had a, a great overtime game where we lost uh, by one. And then they came up to my place and we, you know, in 2018 and we were able to beat them. So I, I feel that a two hour or a four hour drive down to Raleigh is not as daunting, is not as much of a, like a possible loss, like, like the Toronto away would be, or the team USA that, um, the New York Empire playing with <laughs> Team USA and uh, Team Australia with uh, Mickle. <laughs> yeah, but no. so when you're when you're traveling, you know, to all these games, um, there's a lot of preparation involved, obviously. And I talked to some of the players who played with you uh, here in Philadelphia, and they said that you would often come to games um, in a pretty eclectic uh dress they said one time you wore an all-white jumpsuit to a game and i was wondering um do you consider yourself to be the best dressed coach in the division and is there anyone that you see as kind of your competition for that crown there's no doubt in my mind that i'm no longer the best dress coach (laughs) uh yeah yeah early phoenix days man i i wore a suit to every game year one uh, I definitely came from like a night on the town, uh, one year in 14 or 15. I, I, I didn't, I don't think I was like drinking. I'm not saying that. I just meant that like my, um, my available clean wardrobe was, um, you know, befitting of, <laughs> of leisure. 
So <laughs> this all white jumpsuit that they talk about, you know, I, I may have I, I like leaned in a couple times. Yeah, for sure. But like now I am like so functionally dressed. It's I don't think I look good. I, I, I recently bought some steel toe boots. I think I look badass in them. Um, <laughs> I love to coach in them. Uh, and that might be my only like fashion tip right now. That I, I've got that on lock. So then who came for your crowd as the best dressed coach in the uh, in the league? Well, I mean, I guess we're down in uh, the the South now, or the, the Atlantic. So Roca has, I don't I don't know if he's still going to coach Tampa Bay. I don't, I'm not sure, but like he's had some great outfits <laughs> over the years. I mean, he has, you know, intentionally dressed himself as um, any number of recognizable faces. So I, I think that he would have to take the crown there. All right. Um, so but so Shaggy, here we are. We're we're nearing the end of the podcast. Daryl, again, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. Um, Shaggy, what, what's your surprise? That was my surprise. That was the surprise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you got you to gotta preface it by saying, okay, this is the surprise. Here it wow. comes. All right, we got to work on it. We got to work on it. This is our first podcast in a while. We got to work on our, on our game. We need but Harvest back. <laughs> we, need, we, need, we do miss you, Harvest, wherever you oh. are. He was he was he was the glue that held the podcast together. That's that's for darn sure. We miss Huck. Um, but anyway, uh, well, again, Daryl, thank you for joining us. For Alexander Shaggy Shragus, I'm Steve Liner. Thank you for joining us for on the uh, on season two, episode one of the Burning Bird. <laughs>